Crossover Appeal is a show that will sometimes have spoilers, but the hosts promise not to be jerks about it. Also, from time to time, Walt and Annie may get small details about the things they discuss incorrect, and they would like you to know that every time it happens, it is done on purpose to spite you specifically. Enjoy the show! And welcome to Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGoth. And I'm Annie Cardi. Hi, Annie. Hey, Walt. Annie, it's getting a little chilly outside. Ooh. Just a, a little joyful. Yeah, it's it's cold, but I feel good about it. Yeah, and it's like it's spooky, but in a way that wow. you feel like you might you might learn something. Oh, wow. I mean, ghosts, they're all over the place really? in Christmas. Yeah, well, true, but we're I don't think there are any ghosts in today's crossover. No, but I mean, that we know of. <laughs> they were dead the whole time. I mean, look, a lot of theaters have ghosts. Uh, true. And, and so do department stores. And, you know, dead moms might haunt. That's true, actually. You know, yeah. the, the lives of their sons. Yeah. Who are They're very trying, tall sons. Trying to find their ways in the world. Yeah. yeah. Annie, what do we do on Crossover Appeal? Uh, so on Crossover Appeal, <laughs> we take two uh, fictional universes. Mm-hmm. And we put a bunch of ghosts in them. And cross them over, much like the two colors of a candy cane, oh, swirling around each other. You came other. prepared with that one. I did. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to just mumble something this week. <laughs> I'm not just going to you know, wing it. Yeah. And then I started, no, guys, I really prepare for this show. Then I started just shoving ghosts into stuff. Yeah, right? Man. Yeah. Man we, just... I think we both came in with two very different agendas for the right? opening of this episode. I don't know episode. why you're making things so spooky. <laughs> There is nothing spooky about these. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, I don't know. It's Christmas. Everything's a little spooky at Christmas. Is it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's all I actually. Dark out. Well, I do remember. Krampus is among us. We're not even talking about Krampus. But he's always around. He, that's true. He sees you <laughs> when you're true. sleeping. Yeah, you're he right. He knows when we're you're awake. We're constant surveillance by forces both so, benevolent and malicious. I. Was convinced that Santa was real for like a long time mm-hmm. because I had some like weird fever dream as a kid where it was like Christmas Eve uh-huh. and I must, I, I had a lot of nightmares as a kid. So FYI, sure. that, let's just put that out there. Did you get that out there? Uh, and he was an active imagination child. Well, I literally, my mom had to like buy me a book about nightmares. Oh, and, man. Yeah. Like I was, I had them a lot. Yeah. So... It was Christmas Eve, and I woke up in the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. and, like, I went to the living room where the Christmas tree was, and there were, like, presents, Mm -hmm. and I swear I saw a reindeer at the window who winked at me, and I ran back to bed. I was like, this is not what I wanted. I love that it was, like, a saucy reindeer. (laughs) He was like, hey, kid. Just try telling anybody you saw this. I know, right? And no like, one will believe you. It was wink. It was like it was not threatening, but as like a three or four year old, I was yeah. like, "This is awful." I feel like as an adult human, I would see a reindeer and I would get freaked out. Yeah, especially if it winked. But at I me. was like, because I, I was like, "Oh, I like I buy into Santa. Like yeah. I'm ready for this. I'm I'm looking mm. for magic." And then the minute it like. My brain just made it happen. Yeah. Like, I was like, nope, nope, do not want. You know what that's better than, though? What? Seeing your mommy kissing Santa Claus. Oh, that's the worst. that's like the beginning of the end of a family life. Well, that is actually... So, my grandpa played the piano. Uh-huh. And one time he was... he, You know, he, like, 
was playing I saw Ma- and singing I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus and mm-hmm. I got so upset and my grandma <laughs> had to like shut it down she was like she still believes in Santa Claus you idiot and like you, and you were like how could they do that in front of the reindeer I know he's always watching <laughs> he's always watching and winking oh, oh God. no well, hey, you know what? You so know what? This, this is going to be. A you know what? This is going to be a great segue, <laughs> yep. Annie, because the two movies we are talking about today sure are dreamy. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Yeah. Like dreams about reindeers winking. It. Annie, what movies are we talking so, about today? Oh, <laughs> we are talking about Elf and She Loves Me. Yay! So there's a lot of Christmas cheer going on today. Not Christmas spooks. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, the best way to spell spread Christmas cheer is to make a podcast for all to hear. Yeah, all like twenty of you. Yeah. 20,000. Yeah. It always starts small. That's how, you know, that you get a You closet. need one person singing and then exactly. everybody's singing. One person podcasting and then the next person podcasting. <laughs> yeah. and before you know it, we're in 2018 <laughs> yeah. and literally everyone has a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Lady, why don't you tell us a little bit about Elf? Um, so Elf is a 2003 comedy film about a man raised as one of Santa's elves who goes to find his biological human family. Um, it generally received good reviews and ended up being a huge financial hit, mm-hmm. grossing uh, $220 million worldwide on a $33 million budget. Yeah. Good so, job, Elf. Yeah, you're raking in the dough, buddy. Yeah. I remember going to see it in the theater with one friend who was just a total killjoy about it and brought oh, no. everybody else down. Because we all loved it. And oh. then, like, it was just like, you had that one friend. Who was just... it someone I know? Yeah. You should tell me afterwards. Well, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so I can hate on them. Yeah, you know. I might, I might want to protect this individual. <laughs> really? I don't know. Why? Because they don't have Christmas spirits. Screw yeah. that. They might have gotten it in the meantime. Um, and I Although actually... Although I think they were Jewish, so it would be understandable. Oh, true. I mean, it's they're like, yeah, I don't need to buy into this whole Christmas yeah. spirit thing because were, it's not real. They were not coming into it from the same cultural grounding no, as the rest and, of us were. And I can buy, especially if like... You're raised with Christmas being in your face all the time mm-hmm. and everybody assuming that's the norm. And this it's is like not the movie for you. No. OK, so I could buy that. <laughs> yeah. I thought they were just being like too cool for school. A little bit of that, too. But <laughs> <laughs> um, well, as someone who's not too cool for school, mm-hmm. um, I well, like, well, actually, Walt convinced me to watch Elf. Be- yeah, I had to really I, talk you into it. Because I thought it was going to be like real down on Christmas. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be more bad Santa than anything else. But then I found that it it really just encapsulates the the fun of of being like genuinely into things. And just yeah, just sort of going bonkers for something. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, good job, Elf. Mm-hmm. And the story follows Buddy the Elf, who is actually Buddy the Human. Um, As a baby at an orphanage, he snuck into Santa's bag one Christmas Eve and has been raised as an elf at the North North Pole, despite being like five feet taller than all the other elves. Um, So Buddy finds out he's a human. Um, His mother's dead, but his father, Walter Hobbs, lives in New York City and works as the worst children's publisher in the entire world. Yeah, the publishing stuff in this is maybe not the greatest and most accurate depiction of the process. Oh my god. Like, I love everything else about this movie, and I'm like, none of this is how publishing works! No, it really isn't. Um, So you're going to deal with my rage about that throughout the comments. Yeah. Um, So Buddy journeys uh, to New York City to reconnect with his human family, but he doesn't quite realize that new york isn't exactly like the north pole 
um, Walter, he meets his father, Walter, mm-hmm. who thinks he's a total bananagram because, of course, he's right. dressed like an elf and like, like an elf acting and... like an elf. And he's like, this person is insane. Yeah. Um, and Walter rejects him. So sad. Mm. Um, after a fight with a department store Santa, who's not the real Santa, um, but he's thrown in jail. Uh, Walter ends up bailing out Buddy and, through a DNA test, finds out that Buddy is actually his son. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, like the quickest DNA test turned yeah, around Yeah, right? The world too. It's like, ding. Bing. You're done. You're done. There you go. It's a son. You are the father. And the, doc- the doctor is basically like, um, this guy, like, he just needs someone. Like, he's yeah. he's harmless, but he we can't let him out. Just yeah. please take him home. He's a very good, it's a good John Favreau part. Yeah. Um, who directed the yeah, film. Yeah, directed as well. And it's just like, he's a very good, just like, look, just... Take care of this yeah, guy. Just, just, he needs yeah, somebody. Exactly. <laughs> um, so Buddy meets the rest of Walter's family, including a stepmother, Emily, and a stepbrother, Michael. Um, they all assume that Buddy, again, is disturbed, but overall, like, a good, likable person, and they let him stay with them. Yeah, they're just nice people, except for Walter, because yeah. Walters in movies are always jerks. Oh, no. Or Bill Pullman in Sleepless in Seattle. Oh. And then he's just a pushover. <laughs> Poor, no, he dodges a bullet. Oh, he's the secret hero of the movie. He really is. Yeah. I mean, he is. He comes out of that movie so much happier than anyone right? else. Like five years after that movie is set, Walter is like, he's married someone else. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, I almost got married to a total stalker. Yeah. Like psycho killer. Let kind me tell of. you about my ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember the scene where he has, like, three humidifiers set up around him. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because his name's Walter. He needs all sorts of humidifiers. But humidifiers are really good. Well, no, I mean, I also use a humidifier (laughs) when I sleep now. It's great. And I love it. And you were just saying we should probably buy a third. (laughs) Look, I saw the movie before I knew about humidifiers. And I was like, this is character assassination. Maybe maybe it was destiny. I don't know. Yeah, maybe but... I was pushing back against a thing that I saw in myself burgeoning. Yeah. You know what? Sleepless in Seattle, you helped me realize something about myself. I need humidifiers to sleep. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I can own that. We're a Walter and a nanny. So we are that movie. I'm working through it in therapy. Yep. Yeah, man. Man, this movie got into me. You really did. Man. I can't wait till we talk about Sleepless in Seattle. Please don't leave me for a radio personality. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Although, frankly, I mean, if Tom Hanks were, came over and was like... Yeah. But I, I, I'd be like Walter in the movie. I couldn't... I wouldn't be Right? That. You'd be like, well, you were in Carly Rae Jepsen's music video, mm-hmm. so how could I stop you? Yeah. It would be as close as I would get to losing my wife to Mr. Rogers, and Aww. I couldn't have a problem with that. Yeah, right? Because, like, it's going to make you real happy. Oh, <laughs> right? Just a happy, lovely person. I hope also, so. Mr. Rogers probably wouldn't steal people's lives. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, don't go down this that dark road. This is turning into some very weird spinoff stuff. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> anyway, Walters and movies are always lame. So, so yeah, all the rest of the family is real nice, though. Mm-hmm. Um. So, meanwhile, Buddy also develops a relationship with Jovi, a woman who is playing an elf in the Gimbal's Santa Land, like, you know, go see Santa Mm -hmm. scene. Um, She's cynical about the whole holiday thing, but Buddy charms her with his enthusiasm and kindness. Mm -hmm. Um, He's just so darn genuine. He is. And he just, he wants to make people happy. Mm -hmm. Um, Even when he's eavesdropping on them in the shower, which is not the greatest scene. No, but I... I literally just saw a clip that it had that and like it does very much play that like he just doesn't get it and he's not trying to be creepy and she like yells at him to get out and Mm -hmm. it's not it's not played that like 
he's leering at her. Yeah, anything. either when he's he says leering later, at her. Like, I didn't know you were naked. Yeah. Although he's shown showering earlier in the film, so his claims are a little suspicious. True. Um, but that, yeah, it's not yeah. played like, oh, they have a cute scene while she's standing there. It's like, he's like, oh, no, this was wrong. He's like, you know, I, I did, a, I did a wrong. Yeah, I made a bad. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think, like, overall, I think Will Ferrell plays Buddy well in that, like, you know, with Jovi and, and with the, the Hobbs family, like, he's he's so genuine mm-hmm. and like and guileless heart- and guileless and heartfelt words he doesn't feel like he's just a giant man baby yeah he is i feel like will ferrell in his prime is really able to play a character who moment to moment can be either a five-year-old or a grown man yeah and uh, but somehow operates with those distinct but also unified into a personality so it's not like you're just a man child so it's not weird and uncomfortable yeah but it's also like Things you would let a five-year-old get away with, you let him get away with. And then and, he's and, also a grown person. Right. And he's he just wants to make others happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, his, like, I feel like if you just, if you describe it as, like, he turns her cynical frown upside down with Christmas cheer. Oh, that's a good log line. Thank you. Um, but it sounds like uh, he's kind of being obnoxious. Like, mm-hmm. just don't don't say she has to smile. Just stop it. Yeah. But it's it's very much like he just wants her to be happy. Instead of telling her to smile, he shows her how much he likes smiling. Yeah, smiling's his favorite. <laughs> yeah. Um so Buddy again, developing these relationships, um, but Walter is still not charmed as everybody else is. Mm-hmm. Um Buddy inadvertently messes up a big publishing meeting on Christmas Eve Day, which is again not how publishing works, y'all. That's not when you have all the big important meetings. No, no, somehow People, people actually go home on publishing? Yeah, people go home on publishing, and then they don't read anything. Wait, people go home from publishing on Christmas yeah. Eve. There we go. And they like, they, no, no one has Christmas Eve meetings. Yeah. This is when everyone's trying to get out of town. Right. Nobody wants to do any work around that period. No. Mm. Uh, um, and so anyway, Walter gets mad at him, but he runs away. Sad that he like doesn't fit either fit in either at the North Pole or in New York. Mm-hmm. Sad feelings. Um, later on Christmas Eve, Michael confronts Walter about Buddy having run away. Um, Walter realizes that Buddy really is a part of the family and ditches a big publishing meeting to go find Buddy. On Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve. When, for some reason, you're having When all the big publishing meetings Yeah, right? That's what happens. It's it's publisher con. With all the dudes who are somehow in children's publishing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's not a I mean, Andy Richter's there. I buy that. He's a dude, though. Yeah, that's true. But he's like one of the. Oh no, he's one of the writers. I was gonna say he well, was, think, he's one of the editors or something. I, no, I think he is one of the editors. Is Peter Dinklage is one is a writer. Yeah, I forget. Again, it's like very loosely structured as to oh, who's actually doing totally. what. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so meanwhile, Santa's sleigh crashes in Central Park. Um, it runs on Christmas spirit, and there just like isn't enough to keep it going. Aww. I know. Uh, Buddy and his family reunite, and Buddy bridges. The biological and adopted families by introducing them to Santa. Mm-hmm. Um, when the Central Park Rangers try to stop Santa from my, taking off. My favorite detail of the entire yes. movie is just this weird Nazgul mythology around the I Central Park it. Rangers. And I love that, that Santa's just like, oh, I put them on the naughty list and they never forgave yeah, me. It's just like the greatest weird left turn. It's, yeah. it's just, And I love that it's just like there's no reason. It's not like... Mm-mm. You know, they were doing X, Y, or Z thing, and this happens. It's just like a dropped line, yeah. and we just let it go. It's all you need. 
Um, but uh, so they're trying to stop Santa. But Jovi gets a crowd of people singing Christmas carols and boosting enough Christmas spirit to send Santa flying again. Which is believable because I feel like if Zoe Deschanel started singing in a crowd that I was in, I would start singing along. Oh, totally. Because she's great. Yeah, and I would feel Christmassy. Mm-hmm. Um, so by next Christmas, Buddy and Jovi are married and have a baby. And Walter has started his own publishing company to publish a story about Buddy the Elf. This is also not how publishing works. <laughs> I cannot, cannot I underline cannot this enough. I cannot stress this enough. <laughs> this is not how publishing works. <laughs> if Let, you want to get a book published, you don't just go start your own publishing imprint. Well, you do, like you don't so go start your own publishing imprint. It takes longer than a year to publish things. Mm, yeah. Like, even if you were someone who were like, oh, I work in publishing and I know people. Like, it takes time to set that stuff up. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how you were willing. You're okay with Buddy and Jovi immediately getting married and having a kid in the span of a year, but publishing a book in the span, in the span of a year. Well, yeah, because like, I mean they could. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's physically possible. It's physically possible. Yeah. But there's no way you could birth a book. <laughs> it's just not done. Well, at least like in traditional publishing. Yeah, that's true. You don't have the infrastructure built. No. Um, and it's just like you you have to get things on a time frame. Like, what else are they publishing? What? What is that season like? You know what? Maybe he annexed part of the North Pole, and that was his new publishing imprint. Maybe. And so they're like, they're getting the elves on that. Yeah, that's true. You know, they're they're his new production line. See, I would, but even then, like, you need to get arcs made. You need to send them out to reviewers. Elves, it's it all takes elves. A long time. Elves move fast. Oh my and god. And they have surprisingly good editorial taste. Well, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, they, they and really... And, and their hands are tiny like a child's. Yeah. So it's like you're getting the same experience of a As kid a, holding the book. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what... That's what you're really going for in publishing, for. right? Is yep. the book feel. The, well, <laughs> we do love a good book feel. That is true. Oh, but yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> keep on... Smiling is good. Um, this is not how publishing works. Yes. Those are the, the log Those line the... for this discussion of the movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, for characters, we have Buddy the Elf, a.k.a. Buddy Hobbs, a human raised by elves, uh, played by Will Ferrell in one of his most charming roles. The Mowgli of the North Pole. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. This is this is definitely an adaptation of um, the, Jungle, the Book. Jungle Book. Just with more claymation narwhals. And, and fewer tigers. Yeah, probably. Um, there's Walter Hobbs, Buddy's father, and the worst publisher ever, played by James Caan. <laughs> yep. Jovi, a cynical department store elf who comes to believe in the power of Christmas, played by Zoe Deschanel, really in the bridge between her like almost famous yeah. days of it's... like indie film and then her her new girl kind of fame. Yeah, like right after this, I think she started She and Him. Yeah. She started doing New Girl. Like, yeah, this was like the jump. She did Transition. that weird, awful sci-fi uh, Wizard of Oz riff, Tin Man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wait, was that her? That was her. Because she has a sister, too. Yes. It was not her sister. Okay. Though. It was definitely her. Interesting. Yeah. Um, we have Emily, Walter's wife, and Buddy's stepmom, played by Mary Steenbergen. Always a joy to see in a movie. Right? She's a delight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe she's married to Ted, da- Ted Danson. Oh. I am almost oh positive that they're married and they're just, like, real cute. That might be my new favorite celebrity couple. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's Michael, Walter's other son, and Buddy's stepbrother. Um, Santa, played by Ed Asner. Perfect casting. Perfect. Um, Papa Elf, played by, uh, who's Buddy's adopted father, played by Bob Newhart. Also so got, perfect casting. So you've got some real good old TV 
yeah. like presence here. Some classic sitcom dads. Gotta love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other fun actors who show up, including Peter Dinklage as a best-selling but cynical children's book author, um, Amy Sedaris as oh, Walter's yeah. secretary, um, and Andy Richter as another publishing person. Yeah. I have to say, I feel like the Peter Dinklage plot line is the one thing in the movie that has not aged well. Definitely. Right. Um because I feel like that's still the only scene in the movie that I'm just like, ugh, every because time it pops up. it's not on the side of the characters. Yeah. Where, like, even when, you know, you have other cynical characters, like um, the manager of Santa Land, mm-hmm. who, like, just does not like or get Buddy. Yeah. It, at least it's like, no, he's just trying to do his job. Right, and I think the joke with Peter Dinklage's character... I love the idea that you have this super cynical children's book author, but in the actual scene that he has, the joke isn't that he's cynical, it's that he's short. Yeah. And like that, so it it, it changes a very clever joke into the easiest, most obvious joke Definitely. it could be. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it, so it's like the only thing in the entire movie that feels a little mean-spirited. Right. When literally the entire rest of the movie is about being nice. Right. And like, it's... Even though it doesn't make Buddy mean-spirited in the scene, no. because he's not trying to be mean, like, it's still basically like, haha, look at this person, they're short. Exactly. Um, he looks like an elf. Yeah, um, even though, like, and, like, Peter Dinklage isn't playing it in a way, like, no. he's playing it like, I am getting angry. Yeah. But I, it's still like, no, we shouldn't make fun of you because of your height. Yeah, it's a really, like, it is, again, I feel like it's the one scene that doesn't work in the whole movie. Yeah. And it's it's just there because somebody was like, oh, he we, looks like an elf yeah. and we need a complication. Right. So let's take that. Um, that said, I am always happy to see Peter Dinklage. Oh, he's great yeah. at it. Like, yeah. he plays a great, like, jerkwad children's book yeah. author. And he's perfect in it, which is, again, why, like, I, it, I think it was still in that phase where when Peter Dinklage popped up in things, it was mostly because he was of smaller stature. Like, yeah. that was still, like, oh, a, intrinsic to his characters. Yeah. Um, and then, and it was a lot about, he was in a lot of, like, comedies commenting on that. Right. Now, and I mean, I that's, like... that's certainly the case for other actors oh, like that, where it's absolutely. like, you would have Warwick Davis show up mm-hmm. um, and, you know, play Professor Flitwick, who's wonderful, but it's still, like, you're playing him because he's short. It's not like you're right. playing Dumbledore. We need someone who looks different and yeah. fits into this. But like, yeah. So I, this was, I feel like, a little bit of a waste of a Peter Dinklage because he's oh, so no. well, he's so good at it. I know. But it's like, oh, I wanted him to but have so much. But more it's fun. early P P Dinks. Yeah, it's P Dinks. It's yeah, yeah. Um, but movie as a whole, amazing. And now you can tell us why. What are the themes? Oh yeah, there we go. Um, so some themes. Um, spread Christmas cheer and other positivity. Um, so Buddy is a deeply kind and enthusiastic person, and he's basically like a Hufflepuff on the happiest steroids ever. Yeah, he's the Hufflepuffiest Hufflepuff. Indeed. Um, and while other characters are kind of moving through life without a sense of wonder and whimsy, Buddy shows them how like enthusiasm and holiday spirit can bring joy to others and themselves and like make a big difference. Yeah. And he's very like, it's very much about the traditions around a holiday not being there for tradition's sake, but being there for, like, togetherness and, like, yeah. to do with other and people. And to, to, like, make each other feel happy yeah. and good and bring kind of warmth and um, and love to, a like, a cold time of year. Yeah, and it's, like, doing something because it brings you joy and helps other people around you feel joy, not just yeah. because, like, this is how we've always done it. This right. This is what we do. Um, so, yeah. And I feel like, as again, as a Hufflepuff, 
the the whole um i just like smiling smiling is my favorite like mm-hmm. i have like some people have um resting snake's face mm-hmm. um i think i have resting smiley face mm-hmm. and so yeah. like sometimes people will like smile at me and I don't realize that I'm just like kind of smiley. <laughs> <laughs> You're just too welcoming. Yeah. Like Gotta it's happened to be down. like on the street where I'm like, oh, I'm not smiling at you. <laughs> I just... Oh no. Pardon me, madam. I was not smiling <laughs> I at you. Know, right? I, I need I'm to like, clarify something me. very briefly. I just like smiling. <laughs> smiling is my favorite. Um, another theme, uh, family and identity. So it's like a totally lighthearted story, but Buddy does question his identity and where he belongs, particularly as an adoptee. Mm-hmm. Um, Buddy finds himself kind of straddling both worlds as a human and an elf. And like, it's not, you know, an actual story of what adoption is like. No. But it does touch on that issue of like, you you can be a loved member of a family, like at the North Pole, and still not quite feel like you belong. Yeah. Um, and I like that it gives him the added motivation of Santa telling him that his father's on the naughty list. Yeah. Because then it's not even just like, I need to go find my real family because right. then I'll finally be happy. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm going to go save my dad. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, we can't have him on the naughty list. Exactly. And then it ends up being like you, you know, it's not like he's like, oh, well, I found my real family now. That's better. It's right. like he's still like at the end of the movie, he's at the North Pole with Jovi and their little little, little baby. Yeah, and Bob Newhart. And, and Bob Newhart is like grandpaing it up. Yeah, it's great. Like it, it, they managed to find that balance. So yeah. Like he's comfortable in who he is and who he is is both where he's been and where yeah. his family is. But yeah, the journey of finding that. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, teamwork makes the dream work, especially Yay. if the dream is San- making Santa's life lie. Yeah, you got to do that with exactly. a team. Exactly. Um, things I like and think other people will like. Um, this is a Christmas comedy that genuinely loves Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like, I, again, I avoided watching it for a while because I thought it was going to be real down on Christmas. Um, but it is 100% behind Buddy's enthusiasm, even as it, like, pokes fun at him for it. Yeah. I think it's like you said earlier. It's about why it's fun to like things. Yeah. And not just, like, like showing people, like being really down on Christmas or like how Christmas is kind of awful. Right. Identifying yourself by how above things you are. Yeah. It's just about like, no, just like have fun. fun. Um, Also the cast is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone's having a great time. And again, Will Ferrell gets to play someone who's a total goober, but not like mean or selfish in the way that like many of his other characters are. Yeah. He's not at all self-centered. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, I enjoy his other movies, but like this is one where I'm like, no, I actually want to spend time with you yeah. versus the other ones where I'm like, okay, you're just kind of like, you know, doing a bit. It uses his charisma to its absolute extreme. Yes. Because I feel like he usually uses his charisma to balance out the unlikability yeah, of his characters. Yeah, definitely. It's like, oh, you're compelling playing an awful person. But in this, it's like, no, you're compel- you're compelling playing someone I would really like to get to know. Yeah. And probably be infuriated by. Well, you would like be kind of baffled by them and like and and then find it yourself being like oh my god i can't dislike you Mm -hmm. like you're just a total you just want to and like you want to sweep me up in this joy Mm -hmm. um and okay yeah i'll go with you um speaking of being swept up in joy what about um she loves me um sure so she loves me is a 1963 musical comedy and pure happiness engine 
uh, it's with a book by Joe Masteroff, lyrics by Sheldon Harnick, and music by Jerry Bach, who did Fiddler on the Roof as well. Um, it's an adaptation of a 1937 play, Parfumery, by Hungarian playwright Miklos Laszlo, uh, and it was actually the third adaptation of that play in the 60s when it was done. Um, the Man. Fir- I know. The first one was The Shop Around the Corner with Jimmy Stewart. Uh, I love that. Which is also delightful. And then they did a slightly musical version of the shop around the corner called it's uh in the good old summertime starring judy garland as like a showcase Ah. for her and then they made she loves me into a stage musical so it had this weird like moving from a play and gradually becoming a musical over the course of two movies and and another stage show um but i think it shows i think it's a very uh text heavy show like there's a lot of character work the character work is very intricate the plotting is very complex and the songs like we'll talk about like all come from a very character-driven place yeah. and a very plot-motivated place. So it it doesn't feel like a typical musical, even while feeling very familiar and warm and lovely. And even, like, as a musical, it still feels very intimate. Like, mm-hmm. it's a very yeah. small setting. Um, yeah, and a small cast. And small stakes, in a way. Yeah, it's like, very personal. It's high stakes for the characters, but it's not like... Um, well, you know, like even something like Annie, where it's like, you know, the orphan adoption, rich New York City stuff. It's just like people working in a shop. Yeah, there are very few like big rousing choral numbers. Yeah. In fact, there aren't any, but there are numbers that utilize an ensemble, but they're all as like ancillary characters. And yeah. so it's much more slice of life. I think yeah, is the way to definitely. Do it, instead of like big moments, and it really, really works. Um, it was remounted on Broadway in 2016. Um, it was the first ever Broadway musical to be live streamed, which is awesome because then Annie and I got to watch it, uh, and she had never seen it before. No. Uh, it is my favorite musical in it's the world. Delightful. It's so great. Uh, I got to work on it in a production in college, and it just blew me away. It is just an absolute like dream of a musical. Um, basic synopsis is hard to do because it's fairly complicated, but here we go. Um, it is set in a perfumery in Budapest in 1934. Um, the workers at the store are a tight-knit bunch of mostly friends, but they have all sorts of little interconnections and weirdnesses. Um, the sort of central nexus of the group is George Novak. Uh, he is the assistant manager and the favorite of the store's owner, Mr. Marichek. Uh, George has been in a particularly good mood lately because he's been corresponding with an anonymous woman via a pen pal lonely hearts kind of club setup um so they have been sending letters back and forth referring to each other as dear friend and it's really cute um one day a nervous young woman named amalia shows up to the store looking for work uh george tells her that the store is not hiring but then she bypasses him completely and uh impresses mr marichek by selling a very hard-to-sell item to a, a customer, which wins him over, uh, and Mr. Marichek gives her a job despite George's protestations. So this immediately causes tension between Amalia and George. Yeah. Now which they're is, rivals. Yeah, and it's ironic because we also learn that unknown to both of them, uh, Amalia is the other end of what? the anonymous pen pal correspondence. Oh, no. They're dear friends and they don't know it. Dear friends and dear enemies. Bum, bum, bum. Um, summer turns to autumn and tension can continues to grow in the shop. Uh, George and Amalia are constantly sniping at each other, even as we then see them reading their letters to one another and falling more in love. Um, they have no idea that they're actually um, having this kind of connection uh, while, also hating, each other. while <laughs> also hating each other. Uh, but that's not all. Two of the other 
shop workers, Elona and Kodai, are in the final stages of an explosive off-and-on relationship. Um, Elona sort of sees herself as only being sort of worth her looks, and Aww. Kodai is just a real sleazebag. Um, and then also, Mr. Marichek all of a sudden has begun behaving very coldly towards Greg or towards George, and no one knows why. Yeah. Um, so, still unaware of each other's identities, George and Amalia plan to finally meet in person at a restaurant. Uh, Amalia gets there first, and George sees her before she notices that he's there and realizes that she's the one he's been mm. corresponding with. And he sort of doesn't handle it very well. Um, he imposes himself on the date. He pretends to just happen to be there um, and to not be the person that Amalia is there to meet and sort of starts teasing her, essentially. Yeah, and I think, like, he's, he like, he feels kind of betrayed, even yeah. though, like, she, she obviously doesn't know it's him. Right. But it's like... He takes it personally. Yeah. And it's both like there's all these moments leading up to it where they're building up in their minds what this is going to be and who this is going to be. And so he is sort of reeling from that. And then she gets very angry at him when he's sort of being teasing and mean to her. Um, He leaves, which leaves Amalia sitting in the restaurant thinking that she has been stood up by her dear friend. And she sings a really, really sad song that makes everybody cry. Meanwhile, Mr. Marichek tries to kill himself in the perfume store. It's a lot. It's a big day. <laughs> it happens very suddenly. Um, and then Yeah, right? You're just like, oh my gosh, yeah. guys. And then intermission happens. Things get very dark very fast. Um, the next day, George goes in to check on Amalia, who has called out sick. And while he still doesn't tell her that he was her dear friend, he does bring her a carton of vanilla ice cream as a way of apologizing. And he starts behaving very kindly towards her um, in a way that leaves her majorly seriously confused. Um, he, however due to this realization or due to this interaction um, realizes that he is actually in love with Amalia and gets very excited about it, but also decides that he's not going to tell her until because, he's sure that she feels the same way. And about also him. like, I think it's like, he has to prove that he's not a total. Right. Canoe. He needs to like make his way back to being a nice person yeah. uh, in her eyes. Um, he then goes to check on Mr. Marichek, who survived the suicide mm-hmm. attempt and is at the hospital uh, and finds out that Marichek had erroneously believed that George was sleeping with Mr. Marichek's wife. Um, it turns out it was actually Kadai because Kadai is a sleazy dude. Um, George and Marichek make up. Marichek makes George the new manager of the store. Uh, and then over the next few months of winter leading into the Christmas season, George and Amalia begin getting closer and closer, and the staff tries to handle the Christmas rush. Um, Alona, finally getting over Kadai, uh, starts dating a librarian and Aww. is just totally ridiculously adorable. And finally, on Christmas Eve... Wait, is it a librarian or an eye doctor? Oh, that's right. He's an optometrist. Yeah. She meets him at the library. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh, A Trip to the Library is the greatest song. Um, George, finally on Christmas Eve, after they've closed up the shop, confesses to Amalia that he was in fact the one writing the letters, and they have a really lovely moment of recognition where they kiss and everybody cries and the show ends, and it's the greatest. Um, There are a lot of amazing characters in this show. I think because it is a smaller, more intimate show, there is, like I said, and there is an ensemble, but it's like maybe five people, and they play all sorts of different roles. But the primary characters all pretty much get full arcs, and each one gets a real showcase 
um, number or two. Um, we have George. He's a shy, level-headed, nice guy, but not like in an internet-y way. Um, he learns to be a little less of a jerk and more open to those around him. Um, there's Amalia. She's like the perfect blend of brave and strong and shy and vulnerable. Especially when played by Laura Benanti. Oh, Laura Benanti. Yeah, the uh, the 2016 version, um, it's one of my rec- recommendations. It's so good. Um, George was Zachary Levy, um, who was yeah. on Chuck and is an amazing musical theater actor. Yeah. Um, Amalia, though, is played by Laura Benanti. Who is the best. She's just in another stratosphere of talent. Um, I actually feel super proud because when she was making everybody amazed in uh, The Sound of Music Live as the Countess... Uh, the I, secret hero of the Sound of Music seriously, Live. Seriously, the only hero of that, <laughs> that whole <laughs> no, show. Um, uh, what's her name? Um, played the the Mother Superior. Oh, right. Uh, Audra um, McDonald. Audra McDonald. Yeah, Thank all you. the musical oh theater pros. Yeah, actually were, everyone who is a Broadway singer did a great job. They were working very hard. Um, but when I saw that, I remember thinking, she needs to be in a production of She Loves Me. Ooh, And apparently really? the producers, I, it, yeah, I called wow. it. Uh, and then the producers, I guess, were listening to my brain. They were. And they gave me the thing that I most wanted in the world. You're welcome, Walt. Yeah. And you know what? I was right because she's great. She did a great job. Um, the whole cast is stacked, though. Uh, so continuing on to talk about the characters, there is Alona. Um, she's a ditzy character who finds inner strength and knowledge and has just the most adorable song about her trip to the library. Um, she was Jane Krakowski on Broadway. Yay! And everybody loves Jane Another Krakowski. Another delightful the musical theater actor. Yeah, who can still do the splits. Oh, yeah. Oh, my and God. And then get dragged around stage in a split. That's cr- that's bananas. It's nuts. Um, she is mirrored by Kadai, who then drags her around the stage uh, in the splits. If in this case you're talking about Gavin Creel, who played Kadai, who is just so filled with charm, yeah, and playing such a sleazeball and yeah. loving every minute of he's it. He's just a character who is so much fun to hate, yeah, because he's like likable. Like you, he's charming. You, yeah, you he's want never, to watch him. Yeah, he's never a villain. He's just a terrible person. Yeah. And, like, he is the antagonist of a lot of things. Oh, true. But the show never treats him like an antagonist, and he gets... Uh, go ahead. At least it never treats him like an antagonist that, like, is actively out to hurt people. He's yeah. just real selfish. Exactly. Or, like, needs to be overthrown or anything. Yeah. It's like he just... He gets exposed. He sings a song about how everybody's going to miss him. And, <laughs> and then, they don't. And they don't. And then he leaves, and Gavin Creel gets to twirl his mustache and just be mm-hmm. delightful. And I think, like we talked about before, it's a very, like, small stakes, slice of life show. And mm-hmm. in that way, again, it's not like they have to take down Kadai. It's yeah. just like, well... Okay, you leave. His, like, big threat at the end is, one day you'll all be working for me. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) It's like, okay. Um, But uh, his nemesis is Mr. Marichek, who's a nice old man who's also a pretty shoddy judge of character overall. Doesn't really do a great job. Maybe not a great manager of the story either. Yeah, he's really on his way out. I think it's good that he puts George in charge. Totally. Um, There is Sipos. Uh, He's an older clerk at Marichek's and George's sort of best work friend. Uh, He is very focused on just living day to day and not like rocking the boat. He's the Jerry Gergich. Yeah, he he really is. Well, he's a little more competent than Jerry Gergich. I feel like he has more. uh, He actually does his job well. I was going to say he has more perspective. And I know that I'm right because that's the name of his big song, Perspective. But I mean, Jerry did too. He just was like. I get to go to work and I leave every day. That is true. And that's, you know, And I go home to my wife. So maybe Seapost is married to Heather Locklear. Yeah, right. You know, 
He's doing just fine for himself. Uh, and then there is Arpad. He's the shop's delivery boy who really, really wants to be a salesperson and is just a little ray of sunshine in a human suit. Aww. He gets to ride a bike around on stage. That is fun. Um, he's actually the center of, I think, one of my favorite conceits in the show, which is whenever the seasons change, it's like Arpad is walking outside the shop and he goes, look, and like leaves will fall in like a very, <laughs> very small cordon of the stage. Yes. And he goes, it's fall. It's delightful. Yeah, he's great. Uh, and then there's the Mater D. Uh, he's the head of head waiter of the restaurant who sings a funny, I guess, number. Um, he sings Romantic Atmosphere, which feels a little like it's trying to be Hernando's Hideaway uh, from, from the Pajama Game. I've never seen that. Uh, I see. It's like it's the same kind of idea of yeah. like this is a special restaurant. There's a little less sex in uh, Romantic Atmosphere than in Hernando's yeah, Hideaway. Yeah, I think Romantic Atmosphere very much feels like this is someone who's done with it yeah he's just sort of he's trying to maintain everything and i think it is it's a hard number to do well i think it is actually the one part of the broadway version in 2016 that didn't really do a great job i forget the name of the he's an old classic star who is playing very much himself and yeah and it wasn't even like he's bad or the song is bad. It's just, I feel like, out of touch with the rest of the show. Yeah, and it's very shticky. Yeah. Like, it's very much based around, like, he's trying to keep this atmosphere, and of course, all this crazy stuff is happening. And it has nothing to do with the other characters. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that makes it stick out for me, whereas the rest of the show is so very focused on the people who work in this shop, mm-hmm. and that song is, like, a total departure from their experience. Because yeah. even... um like George and Amalia go to the restaurant and it's not like they have a wacky experience based on the restaurant. Yeah. It's like the Mater D has some funny interactions with Amalia, but that's kind of it. Yeah. Um, I think so it's like, like, why is it there? I think it's like the pressure to have a coral and ensemble yeah. number. It's the same way that like promises, promises has Turkey lurkey time, which is no. like the Thanksgiving day party. Yeah. And it feels very much the same of like these character driven shows that all of a sudden explode out into these big choral numbers because I guess you need something for your ensemble to do or you need some more featured roles. But it feels like a very like 60s and 70s era musical theater writing. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's just a fast, it's, it feels, it feels very anachronistic, I think, watching it um, and archaic. Yeah. And again, it just doesn't fit in with the rest of what the show is. Mm -hmm. But it's It's fine. It's it's fine. It's perfectly innocuous. It doesn't ruin anything. I most, I mostly skip that one. Yeah. And I think it has been, I have seen it in previous productions done more successfully, even though it's hard to do it like totally successfully. Yeah. But, um, that all leads into what makes this show such a success and the themes and the fun stuff. Um, I think aside from the song we were just dunking on for like two minutes, I do think this is a perfect musical. Um, all of the songs come come from the character and the situation, and it's like the anti-jukebox musical because it's actually really hard to pull a single from this show and have it be like one that gets a lot of public public attention because it's all very tied to the song, to the yeah. moments the characters are singing. Um, all that said, the songs themselves are deeply memorable and stick with you. Um, I actually read a fun mm. piece of trivia that when this first premiered on Broadway, it was known as the Ice Cream Musical. Oh, because... even though there, like, there's ice cream in one song. Exactly. Um, but it's that song about vanilla ice cream is such a gorgeous, it's lovely so song. It's so sweet. Right, that I think it's like the one that people came away remembering. And I remember going to, so there's a class that Walt took in college. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think it was the same semester you did it, but someone did um, 
the trip to the library song. Oh, yeah. And it was so cute and adorable. But, like, I remember thinking, I don't know what is exactly going on in this show. Yeah. And it and it's not because of the performance. Like, she did a great job. But I, it's just because you kind of need to see the show first Yeah, it, like, before it's, you can just, like, listen to a single. Right. Like, it's a story song, but you're only getting half the story. Yeah. Um, the same with She Loves Me, the title track. Yeah. Which is a fantastic piece and it gets done in auditions all the time. But has lines in it like you know she loves me though she doesn't know it how could she when she uh uh, but she doesn't show she loves me but she doesn't show it how could she when she doesn't know it and it's like that's a creepy line out of context but you know that like it's the moment that george is experiencing and yeah and it's also he knows that she does actually love him because he's seen the letters he's actually heard her talk about it as opposed to just like oh of course she must love me right because i'm a nice guy um so yeah it is very much all of the music comes from the situation and the moments that these characters are feeling. Um, big theme of the musical is love the people around you because they might love you back, but don't like you know be gross about it or or love them well, too much. Uh, well, don't be jerks to them yeah, because they, they did a good not. job selling something. Exactly, and yeah, and like, I think it's like it is love makes you do crazy stuff and makes you act weird. And there's just a lot, like, I think love is complicated is the closest I came up for with a theme for this. I I think of it more as, like, you, like, people are more complicated Mm. because it's, like, the love is pretty simple. Like, if they just kind of got to know each other and, and, like, didn't necessarily meet under the circumstances where George is trying to, like, be the big guy in the store and Amalia Mm. is trying to prove herself, um... Like, if they just kind of met normally, they yeah. probably would have gotten to know each other. It's true. I wrote down, like, three themes in my potential search for this. And I think the one yeah. that I landed on ultimately that I'm happy with is once you know yourself, you'll know what you want from somebody that you love. Like, you'll know, yeah. you'll recognize love when it comes your way. Like, because yeah. Alona is, like, so desperate to That's be with Kadai. Like, and then she understands what she's looking for, actually. Yeah. And she winds up with her optometrist. Like, I think George and Amalia learn enough about themselves to be okay with loving one another. Yeah. Like, they're not so wrapped up in this idea. And, like, something about not judging a book by its cover. Mm, yeah. Where, no. that like, George and Amalia and Amalia judge each other super fast. That's true. Um... You know, obviously, Ilona thinks of herself as the cover, and that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Don't judge a perfume bottle by its label yeah. or its weird uh, esoteric commercial. Yeah. Because perfume have... commercials are weird, yeah, they, guys. They really are. They continue to be. It yeah. feels like both feels... a very dated thing and a thing that is still the case. Well, yeah, I think that's the thing. It just seems like they made a bunch of them in the 90s mm-hmm. and then stopped making them. <laughs> now they're just recycling them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, they're using... Um, deep fakes technology to put new celebrity faces on exactly. like Fabio or whoever. Yes. <laughs> um, and of course, I think an important theme of this musical is in fact, teamwork makes the dream work, especially when it's Christmas shopping season. Um, they have just a perfect montage number of like the lead up to Christmas and how insane things get that That's... feels the most like accurately portraying Christmas time on stage that I've seen. I think it's like one of the best Christmas songs I can think of. And it's because it's literally like at some point, you know, the people 
um, like 12 days to Christmas, 12 days to Christmas, people. Plenty of time to do our Christmas shopping. Yeah. As though we hate the people who <laughs> do the shopping at Christmas 12 days before Christmas. Yeah. It's They're just, the worst. Yeah. It's like just a lovely look inside the brain of someone who has to work retail during the holiday yeah. season. Oh, totally. While also filtering in lovely moments between George and Amalia yeah. as they get closer and closer. Exactly. So yeah, it's a Chris, it's a great Christmas show. It ends all happy and lovely on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Um, which feels like a great place to start talking about where these two properties cross over. Christmas. Yay! Well, definitely Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is why we are talking about them today. It's true. Um, I think the the idea of um, kind of like I don't want to say low stakes for Elf exactly because I think mm. it's. Well, I mean, Santa might die. Santa might die. He might get beaten uh, to death by the Central Park true. Rangers. But in in it's like a very kind of sweet focused musical mm-hmm. or not musical uh, movie. It's a very where, personal story. Yeah, where it's about Buddy trying to figure out where he belongs mm-hmm. and who he is. Um, and it's not even again like we had talked about about him like trying to find his true family. It's just like, yeah. well, who am I exactly? I think it's that people can surprise you are yeah. themes in both music both Definitely. shows or the musical and the movie. Yeah. That, you know, I think everybody makes surface judgments about Buddy. True. But then he turns their life around. Right, because you see him and you're like, you're a nine foot tall elf. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, that's nuts, man. Yeah, but then it's like, you know what? You are a nine foot tall yeah. elf. It's that's like, great. Cow. You were right. You were telling the truth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. You really rocked um, my world right now. <laughs> Also, um, don't judge a book by its cover. Um, don't judge publishing by what you see in yeah, Elf. It's true. Yeah, I think actually there's a sliding scale of depictions of um, professions in on these. Yes. I feel like She Loves Me is a pretty accurate yeah, depiction of life in retail. Yeah. And Elf is a very fantasy version of what it is to work yes. in publishing. That's opposite themes. <laughs> it's true. They're, they're fighting themes. Um, but how about how the actual crossover would happen? How do we get these two together? Um, well, obviously buddy and jovi are working in a store mm-hmm. a I department think, store yeah so i think it's uh it's marichex yeah absolutely or yeah maybe it's marichex department store yeah exactly um, or like yeah because i was gonna say the perfume section of a department store but i like that it's just like marichex is a whole st- it's, it's a giant store mm-hmm. and it's then, gone international yeah, it's a hungarian it's, shop yeah. that has now a multinational conglomerate and it basically does big department stores. Yeah, now. and and you have George and Amalia working mm-hmm. in and and the the rest of the she left me group working in the like the makeup section. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jovi got you know the part time holiday job working yeah. as an elf. Buddy, obviously, (laughs) elves his his way way into there. (laughs) Despite George's objections. Yes. (laughs) Um, Are we putting this before the events of She Loves Me, after the events of She Loves Me, during the events of She Loves Me? I think everything is happening all at the same time. Yeah, it's much more chaotic that way. Yeah, and I think specifically... In the last Christmas days of She Loves Me. Oh, yeah. When things are the most hectic and crazy. Actually, let's say, I think I want to say that they happen, um, like it starts off with George and Amalia like planning to meet. Oh. Because I feel like Buddy would would be maybe he doesn't know that they are excited to meet each other but he he is like on this job and he's he's worming his way into everybody's hearts Mm -hmm. and he is really excited because he's like oh my god god you know amalia you're gonna meet the love of your life tonight yeah, he just keeps he's building so up the excited stakes. yeah mm-hmm. and then to george he's like oh my god this is amazing <laughs> you two love is in the air right yeah like does he blow the secret to george 
Maybe um, he's instead maybe of, instead of George seeing him, and that would give us a chance to cut romantic atmosphere, um, because as a number, because we don't need a number for George <gasps> to show true. up during. So it could so be like could he be talks like, to oh Amalia, God. and then it could be like, oh my God, Amalia said she's meeting uh, her uh, true love tonight yeah, too, and she's wearing a rose pin. Yeah, That's amazing! And, and, wow, I can't believe you guys are meeting different people at the same place. Yeah. Who both have pen pals who they've never met before. And call themselves dear friends. Yeah. And yeah, like I think, uh, and Jovi is like trying to shut him up. Yes. And yeah. I like think... Jovi just realizes it all of a sudden and she's just like, no. <laughs> no, this is terrible. Um, yeah, I think it's like, I think this is a crossover where things kind of happen at the same time. Yeah. But there's not as much like. I don't think things need to change a whole lot, even like no. in how in how it all plays out. I think that like maybe, okay, maybe uh, let's scooch the timeline a little bit, and maybe George and Amalia are planning to meet around Christmas. Um, uh-huh. So you know we we have the stakes are high with that. So that department store is in the hectic preparations. Yeah. They're not aware yet. They're. They're very emotional mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, they're working hard. They haven't been sleeping right. Yeah. And maybe the despondency of George and Amalia not being able to love each other, like maybe that brings everything else down enough that that's what kills the Christmas cheer. Oh, yeah. Because like, now it's like, oh, my gosh. They don't I believe like, in anything anymore. Yeah. Like, what can you believe in if not that mm. dear friend is is your <laughs> true love? Can I? Can Buddy continue to accidentally complicate things by, like, bringing Amalia ice cream before George shows up the next day? Like, he's like, I wanted to cheer you up. I heard you were sad. Oh, no. See, I I feel like he – I don't want to do that exactly. But maybe he, like – he talks to George. And maybe George is like, oh, my God. I just – I screwed this up. Like, Yeah, I was really – I was a jerk. I was such a jerk. And he's like, you know, I was so upset. But Buddy, like, talks him through it. Mm -hmm. And he's like – you know what? It's okay to make mistakes. Yeah. Um, but the reason people are on the naughty list is because they don't apologize for stuff. Oh, yeah. They just do whatever they want and they don't care about being mean or hurting people. But you can get off the naughty list if you try and make it up to Amalia. And you know what Buddy loves and would probably recommend? Sugar. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So he'd be like, you he should would... bring her some sugar. I can see him like going like taking george to like th- there must be like a cafeteria or something uh-huh. in marichek's department store oh, yeah. and he's like trying to load george up with like <laughs> and he's like you need some jelly beans oh mm-hmm. man like everybody, everybody loves putting um some candy canes you gotta crush them up put that right on the ice cream it's gonna be amazing this is your apology Hot syrup Make and, sure to give it and to like her. george has like a giant pile of stuff but then Uh i think george could be like you know what i think amalia like her favorite is really vanilla yeah and maybe that's when when george starts thinking like no like i i do know her and love her yeah absolutely and maybe uh so in she loves me um mr marichek like finds out about um kadai and his wife because of like a private detective right maybe buddy helps blow the lid off of that oh totally like and again accidentally (laughs) yeah completely accidentally (laughs) Let's say, um, well, Buddy knows that Kadai is on the bad list. Oh, yeah. He, he has knows. been oh, on Oh, my the- gosh. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe Buddy actually hates Kadai. <laughs> <laughs> he's the one person in the whole world that Buddy hates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, 
he's been on the naughty list for years. And yeah. Kadai is like, heck yeah, I am. And there's the great scene where uh, Buddy tries to drink perfume. Yes. And maybe, maybe Kadai keeps doing that to Buddy. Like oh, he no. keeps trying to give new perfumes to Buddy <laughs> and telling him that they're drinks. Yeah. Like, and so Kadai is, or Buddy is like, oh no, that guy, he's on the naughty yeah, list. Yeah, he's totally on the naughty mm-hmm. list. Um, I do want the she loves me world to bleed a little more into the elf world yeah so like how can we bring in maybe um oh so maybe you know the the books have not been selling sure. for walter mm-hmm. maybe he's gonna do a tie-in because like rudolph was a tie-in for some department store yeah and it was like given away or you know sold real cheap and that's how it became such a big thing sure um so maybe they're like we're gonna try and rudolph something this year yeah so he's working with mr marichak and I think if there's anybody who is sleazy and manipulative enough to try to make it in this weird netherworld depiction of the yeah. publishing industry, I think it's Kadai. Like yeah. I think I think we get Kadai as opposed to the Peter Dinklage character. Yeah. Where like he is he's pitching a book that's just like totally like commercial and yeah. dumb and awful. And because he wants Kadai all the money. is like, oh, I've heard it's really easy to write picture books and I'm right. going to get a bunch of money. And kids are dumb. And yeah. And then all the ladies will love me because I'll look exactly. so sensitive and cool. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I'm going to, I'll get, I'll get all the ladies because look yeah. at it. It's like bringing a dog to a park or something. Right. He's like, this is my tool. This is my ticket. Yeah. So yeah, I think that Ugh, like. Sketch fast. Yeah. I think that he like, he's gotten Mr. Marichek convinced that he has the pitch that's going to make Walter's yeah. company go for it. Yeah. Um, and so then Buddy has to sabotage him. Yep. And has to, and so like trying to sabotage Kadai though puts him at odds with Walter. Yeah. And same. I like that that's, that takes out him just like insulting Peter Dinklage. Yeah. And it's just like, no, he's not accidentally messing us meeting up. He's actively trying to tell Walter that he cannot hire someone who's on the naughty list. Right. And that he's terrible at things. Yeah. That like, no, it's a bad, like it's a mean book or he's just doing anything. Yeah. yeah. I love that he's on the naughty list because that's something that Walter would just be like, I don't know what you're talking about right. and I don't and, care. And he's trying to save Walter from being on the naughty list. Mm-hmm. So he's like, no, you can't double down on this. Right. You can't give somebody like that an opportunity. Yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely. So I think then maybe Kadai like attacks Buddy yeah. again in the meeting and everything blows up and Walter kicks him out. Yep. And then... Um, and he gets oh. fired from Marichak's. Yeah. He absolutely gets fired yeah. from Marichak's because he, he blew it for Mr. Marichak yeah. too. Yeah. Um, so then, I mean, honestly, this turns the whole like Christmas Eve night, like, okay, I think maybe Elf ends a little before She Loves Me ends. Because uh-huh. I think there's this, like, yeah. there's this long, dark night of the soul, like, where everything is terrible on Christmas Eve. Um, Kadai looks like he's going to get his publishing contract. Yeah. El- Buddy's been fired from everywhere. Yeah. But then he gets, uh, maybe he gets George to come along and help him save Santa with everybody. Uh-huh. And, like, him and Seapost and all of them. And then the next morning, Buddy's like, okay, now that we saved Christmas, I'm going to help you get Amalia back. And la- or or in the in the course of saving Christmas, George realizes that he does love Amalia. Yeah, and maybe um, well, maybe Amalia is helping to save Christmas, but like she and Jovi are gonna sing the Christmas songs. Yeah, yeah and so, so she's like, I don't want to see George. I'll go because you need help, buddy. Yeah, but I'm not talking to George. Yeah, I think maybe Jovi goes to get Amalia. Yeah, and she's like, Look, we know you're sad, and like yeah. that's hurting things. You need to cheer up, buck up, kiddo. Yeah, it's the holidays. <laughs> Jovi would be like, okay, I get it. I'm cynical too. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It actually doesn't help to just be sad and alone. Right. Especially around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go and we're going to 
save Santa from the the park rangers and mm-hmm. sing Christmas carols in front of strangers. You know what? What? Nobody in Elf really bundles up when they're outside. Yeah. So maybe Amalia is singing to help save Christmas and she gets actually sick. <gasps> yeah. So she has a cold the next day. That's so true. And Elf is like, you need to bring her all the sugar. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> because that's what helps. That's what healing bodies need. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think that like then George and Amalia like begin their, their rectification yeah. a little bit. So it's a little after Christmas now. Yeah. I can see that. So yeah, we're... Or maybe they, um, instead of having their their big hiss on Christmas, they have it on New Year's Eve. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah it's like, and then it's a little riff on Harry, on Harry Met Sally, yeah. too. Yeah, absolutely. And Kadai's in prison. <laughs> <laughs> For doing something? Yeah, it turns out he was embezzling. <laughs> yeah, he was stealing money from <laughs> You know he her. was stealing money from right. her checks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, He's not making that much, much selling makeup. No. like. To, to be such a sleazeball. Yeah. So maybe Santa drops Kadai's dossier down well, down yeah. Mr. Marichek's chimney. Yeah. Like on his way out. He's like, ho, ho, ho. Check it out. Yeah. This guy's a ho, ho, ho. He is. Yeah. And so that's that's how that's how uh, Mr. Marichek realizes that he's been wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I think that it's like it lets all the emotionally fraying stuff still happen on, on New Year's Eve. Yeah. But then the resolution gets to last a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, I feel good about that. Yeah, me too. So let's talk about uh, some some games. Yeah. Um, kiss your faces. I feel like a lot of the same faces get yeah, kissed. Exactly. Because like, um, even like outside of the two main couples, mm-hmm. like I can't think of anybody who really would be kissing from the the elf universe. Because yeah. like you know, Walter is married to Emily. Mm-hmm. Michael's kind of young. He's maybe, like 12 or 13 or something. Yeah, the only thing I could think was if we really are collapsing these universes in on each other, maybe Alona and the store manager wind up together. Um, the, which store manager? The guy who runs Santa Land. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, like maybe they find each other. Yes. Maybe he's a real book nerd. Yeah, right? Aw. You know? Um, and that's how he relaxes. There we go. Yeah. I think that like that's the only one I could think of yeah. is rather than meeting an offstage character, she meets somebody yeah. who's already been in the mix. Or um, maybe she meets Peter Dinklage, who's not in this universe. He's not a jerk. He's not a jerk because we're just recasting him. I like that. I like oh, that a lot. Oh, because like you hear Peter Dinklage, like silky smooth voice, mm-hmm. you gonna fall in love. Absolutely. There's no way you're not gonna fall. So in there love we with go. Peter Dinklage. And I feel like I wish there was someone in Elf for Arpad, but um, yeah, because Arpad, even if I was like, okay, well maybe. Michael, but I think they're still like different ages. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I think Arpad's just doing his own thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that sounds good. Uh, Battle Dome. I mean, everybody against Kadai. Yes. Um, uh, I think George and Buddy real don't get along no, at first. No, they hate yeah. each other. Um, yes, absolutely. I think Mr. Marichek and Buddy don't get along. I think a lot yeah. of people in Buddy don't yeah, get along. Yeah, Buddy doesn't rub people the right <laughs> yeah, way. He does for not a while. make a good first impression. No. <laughs> um, I think Cepos likes I- Buddy. I'm sorry? I think Sipos likes Buddy. He's kind of yeah. like the John Favreau doctor, where yeah. he's just like, look, this guy just needs some and it, help. And I think it's, it goes along with Sipos's motto of just, like, go with the flow. Right. It doesn't matter. Like, this guy wants to say he's an elf. He's an elf. What right. do I care? We're just a bunch of people hanging out. Yeah. yeah. We're just, as long as he can sell stuff, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think um, 
Amalia, maybe because she sees George giving mm-hmm. Buddy a hard time, yeah. she's like, I'm going to stand up for Buddy. Yeah. She's like, no, don't make fun of him. Yeah. He's doing a good job. Exactly. Maybe, And maybe she helps Jovi see Buddy in a new light, yeah, too. Yeah, definitely. So they're really helping each other out. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And I can see... Maybe she and Jovi were friends beforehand, Ooh. and she, and Amalia is like actually good at like being a salesperson, and mm. Jovi's just like I need a part time job for the holidays. Oh, yeah, like do you know anybody? And she's like, okay, well I know that they're there. They're, nobody else is hiring at the makeup counter, mm-hmm. but they're hiring in Santa Land. Right, or maybe they went to apply to Marichex at the same time, and like Amalia gets the 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 perfume counter, yeah. and then Jovi gets Santa Land. Yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the joke just being like oh my god yeah, whatever i'm gonna get some stories out of this yes um i feel like best buddies yeah i think amalia and jovi for sure i think alona and jovi sort of like yeah respect each other oh totally yeah. i think they i think all the ladies like go out drinking after work yes it's a very sex in the city kind of vibe yeah um i don't know i think uh arpat and walter's son but probably yeah get along. but i think again they're kind of different ages yeah but like I know. Walter's son seems pretty good with the I, flow. I actually see Arpad and Buddy as being best friends. Yeah, they would get along really well. <laughs> yeah, right. Arpad's just like a little buddy in training. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, he would just be like, I am digging your attitude. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm liking what you're putting down. Um, I think Walter and Marichek definitely yep. get along first because they're... They're partnered up. They're cynical and they just want to make money off of Christmas. Mm-hmm. But then they both realize that people are more important. Absolutely. Um, and ultimately you you're going to succeed when you like really invest in in people as opposed to just yeah stupid marketing ideas yeah oh um amy sedaris totally hangs out with all the other women when they get oh yeah. yeah oh she's totally she's on that. and i can see jovi being like you freak me out but i love you mm-hmm. you're super intense but we're going with it exactly yes um so yeah i feel like it's uh it's everybody kind of likes each other but in like different degrees and different like, i feel like this does remind me of like a workplace comedy yeah where you're like Maybe we're not all best, best friends. Some of us are real good friends. Yeah. Some of us are just work friends. But, but this, we like, kind of all get along. Yeah. And this this feels like a season of a TV show, maybe. Yeah. Like, like not like a huge one. Maybe like a miniseries. Yeah. Six or seven episodes. But like really building up and mashing up these two universes in a way that I would totally watch. Oh, 100%. And find to be deeply cozy and speaking to the holiday spirit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would love this. Absolutely. And I hope you all do too. Yay. Well, let's take that good energy into some things that people can actually find as opposed to the fantasy things that live in our head. Yay. Um, that are like Elf. Um. So for other Christmas comedies with heart, there's A Christmas Story, which actually isn't my biggest Christmas movie. I just like never... Watch. I actually don't even think I've seen it from beginning to end. I think you kind of have to grow up with it. Yeah. Like there are definite problematic elements, but there are oh, also yeah. like there are there are definite there are like scenes and moments in it that I think just partly by virtue of seeing them every year growing up, but also just some of the some of it just really really works. Yeah, and I think it it balances the poking of fun at the holiday mm-hmm. with having a huge love for it. Like it's not it's making fun of kind of the the things that can go wrong at Christmas, yeah. but never making fun of Christmas as a thing or family as a thing. Yeah. And I think it uses nostalgia very well. Yeah. I, I think it actually is the perfect movie to play 24 seven in Christmas. Well, it uh, feels because, very sketch comedy. ish, Right. And it's vignettes. It's like, you can really tune into it and then tune out yeah. and not lose anything. Right. Um, but the plot yeah. is irrelevant. Right. But it comes into a really nice landing at the end. I think. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because you you do kind of love this family. Oh yeah. Um, Home Alone with a family you don't exactly love. Um, about a kid who learns the meaning of Christmas by almost straight up murdering two burglars. Someone on Twitter pointed out today that Kevin's dad looks like Bruce Willis and David Cameron had a baby. <laughs> yes, that is exactly him. Yeah. Um, also on a recent episode of We Got This, um, mm-hmm. they they were doing their their clean sleigh episode. Uh-huh. And they talked about, like, which prank in Home Alone was the best. And just, Ooh. like, um, oh, what's his name? Um, uh, Mark Agliardi? M- no. Um, How? How lovely. No, the... Um, Joe guy. Pesci. <laughs> Daniel Stern. Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> no, you're not going to guess this. Okay. <laughs> um, from The Good Place and... Mark Allen Jackson. Mark Allen Jackson. Mark Evan Jackson. Mark Evan Jackson. He he basically loves the Home Alone movies, and we're just Yay. like this one and this one and this one. Um, it, it's it, a delight. So if you if you just don't feel like watching Home Alone, listen to that episode <laughs> of We Got This. Oh, it's got to be the glass bulbs under the window. Um, I think they were saying for like pure awfulness, the nail on the stair yeah, is terrible. That one's cringeworthy. The blowtorch to the head. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like how Kevin McAllister is. A actual monster human. Yeah. I think there was some pitch that it was like an online essay about how Kevin McAllister is, uh, how Home is, Alone is a prequel to Saw. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's true. Um, also, there's Home Alone 2, which is set in New York and doesn't include any giant spiders. Big points from the Andy so contingent. I literally don't think I can watch Home Alone now because mm-hmm. of the spider, but I would watch Home Alone 2 again in a heartbeat. Yeah. And it also has Tim Curry, who is That's a true, true delight. Cheese pizza. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's the Santa Claus, the most heartwarming movie about a guy who accidentally murders Santa. Mm-hmm. Um, the Muppet Christmas Carol, which has the most heart and still manages to get the sillies in. And you get to see Michael Caine dancing. Yes. Come on, people. <laughs> You've always wanted that. <laughs> but not only dancing, dancing with a bunch of puppets. Yeah, and like dance marching down the street. Yes. Oh, it's the best. It's it's a phenomenal Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Scrooged, which is a contempt. Well, I mean, contemporary for like the 80s. Yeah, um, very Christmas Carol take uh, starring Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and The Nightmare Before Christmas, the best movie musical about a cultural about cultural appropriation and Santa. It really is. It's a nuanced look at both. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, kind of that that balance of poking a little fun at the holidays while mm-hmm. also having a huge love for it. Yeah. There is also, if you want to go too, too, super mm-hmm. duper hokey, apparently the new Christmas Chronicles movie on Netflix starring Kurt Russell as Sexy Santa is... I have not even heard of that. It's... We'll, we'll watch the trailer. It is like... It's a bunch of kids like accidentally fall into Santa's bag, but it's Kurt Russell playing Santa, and it is apparently that's so weird. Apparently, it's delightful and stupid. I cannot even understand what that means. Just watch the trailer, and then yeah. we'll know. So, the Christmas Chronicles on Netflix. Wow, um, sure. Um, for some other good magical-ish fish out of water stories, um, there's Enchanted about a Disney-style princess who gets dropped in New York. Um, I feel like. Enchanted and Elf are almost the same movie yeah, you made with this, different genres. Yeah, you mentioned that a few days ago and it blew my mind. Yeah, because it's like en- Enchanted is a like a Disney princess movie set in New York and mm-hmm. Elf is a Christmas movie set in New York. Yeah, it's like, it, and they're just delightful. I should also mention, kind of going back to um, the Christmas movies and magical fish out of water movies, there's, this is not really a recommendation because uh-huh. I think if you didn't watch this as a kid, okay. you wouldn't like this. 
And I think if I watched it as an adult, I wouldn't like this. Uh-huh. But it's called, I think it's called Santa Claus the Movie. And it stars Dudley Moore okay. as an elf. Uh-huh. And I mean, it's all about like how Santa became Santa. And yeah. Dudley Moore is like trying to like revolutionize the toy business. And he goes to, and he's like, he leaves the North Pole and ends up in New York. And um, he meets John Lithgow, who's like this big evil businessman. Wow. And he makes these lollipops that like use the reindeer magic to make, and they make kids fly. Oh, you've told me about this it's one. It's bonkers. Yeah, okay. But it's like if Buddy the Elf got real deep into like the dark business <laughs> the world. Corporate culture. Yeah, it's like if, if we had crossed over Elf and Wall Street, <laughs> that, that's oh, what this movie is. Now I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Enchanted is actually like the good-hearted, adorable world that Elf um, sits in as well. And it introduced the broad viewing public to Amy Adams. Who's just perfect. Oh I love her. Treasure. Just a treasure. Um, there's the first Thor movie about a Norse god, Norse god who gets dropped into New Mexico. So mm-hmm. that's great. It's elf, but for superheroes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, Someone on Twitter recently pointed out, I'm talking a lot about people on Twitter. Tonight. Yeah. The, shout um, out to all our people on Twitter. Yeah, hey, Twitter. How you doing? Um, mentioned that in their opinion, the scene where Thor first goes to a diner is the single greatest scene in the Marvel Universe. And oh, I have a hard yes. time arguing it. Yes. Because the whole, like, smashing of the coffee cup, it's like that moment when you watch Chris Hemsworth become Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, and you realize that this man has so much more talent in comic timing than he has any right yeah, to. Yeah, than is fair in yeah. any way, shape, or form. Oh, exactly. I feel like he and um, Channing Tatum. Mm-hmm. And just... Chris Evans. True. Like, but even, like... Chris Evans Chris, isn't Chris, quite as versatile. Well, I don't, well, know, I don't know. He's done so much funny stuff. Anyway, sorry. I, um, or maybe John Hamm, too. Oh, yeah. Got all these attractive all these dudes who are good All these stupid, good-looking people Ugh. with your stupid talent. Whatever. Just be over here in my hobbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's cozy in here. It's true. I love it. Um, there's George of the Jungle about a man who is raised in the wild and gets dropped in San Francisco, starring Brendan Fraser. Mm-hmm. That is is a like, surprisingly heartwarming movie. Oh, yeah. And Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Um, and Splash, about a man who falls in love with a mermaid. Like you do. As, I mean, there you go. Hey, I mean, uh, if, the mer- if the mermaid is Daryl Hannah. Yeah. Sure. Good job, Daryl Hannah. Absolutely. Um, if you want more more Will Ferrell not being a douchebag, you can watch Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah. Which is just, like, a really kind of sweet movie. Yeah, just um, super cozy. And, and like, magically... Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very magic realism. Yeah. It like, it risks being too sweet and or like going over the line, yeah. but it doesn't. Yeah. And then it, and then he made Mr. McCormick's Wonder Emporium, and I think he pretty firmly Did stepped he? over the line. The guy, the writer. Director, oh, okay. Right. I'm sorry. Like, I was like, Ferrell. I don't Okay. No, that was Dustin Hoffman and Natalie Portman. And we don't talk about Dustin Hoffman anymore. That's right. Yeah. Anti-recommendation. Yeah. Um, if you want more Zoe Deschanel singing Christmas songs, you can listen to A Very She and Him Christmas, mm-hmm. um, which just does a great job and is very, yeah. like, kind of fun, swingy Christmas time. Yeah. It's like Starbucks Christmas, and it's perfect. I would say better than that. Yeah, it's a step up above Starbucks Christmas because it has personality. It does. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, good to just put on and yeah. enjoy it, like, while you're decorating the tree or exactly. something. Exactly. It's lovely. Um, and apparently there's also an elf musical, mm-hmm. which I have not seen. Um, but I, that's it's a it, you know, seems think, like that would be a real good setup for a musical. Yeah, I think it had tryouts in Chicago and I think it was okay. 
Yeah. I, I imagine they're probably retooling it or something. Although maybe it went to Broadway. I honestly can't remember. I feel like it might have. Yeah, I think it did already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's now, I'm sure it's coming to a high school near I, you. And like, I'm sure, you know, local theaters are doing it for the Christmas season. Absolutely. Um, so you'll probably see it at some point. You'll probably have a good time if you get Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also a great segue to other musical recommendations. Hey. Um, so yeah, there's uh, a bunch of cozy things that I can recommend, like She Loves Me. Um, the first, like we've been saying, the 2016 version, you can rent it on iTunes or on Broadway HD or pretty much any streaming service at this point. Uh, and it is just so worth your money. Yeah. Um, it, like, it's actually, I think, one of the few recorded musicals I've watched that still gives you a pretty good sense of being there. Like, you can feel the audience well, presence. And they do a nice job I capturing think, it. Um, I I want to say it was also part of the PBS Great Performance series. I think so. I think those actually do a great job. Yeah. F- like, they're not obtrusive. The they don't like cut a whole lot. No, or, like... and they and they really do try and capture that in theater experience. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, a good percentage of us are not going to see these shows live. Exactly. Like, let's just be honest. Exactly. So go check it out. It's great. Um, if you want more of that good, good plot structure, you can watch You've Got Mail. Yeah. Um, the... Oh, with the best bookstore in movie history. Oh yeah. Oh, it closes. I know. But they I get actually, their revenge because Fox Books is totally closed yeah. by now. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And indie bookstores have come back. So mm-hmm. I can see um, Kathleen Kelly staging her revenge. Exactly. Well, while, while married to Mr. Fox, the yeah. not fantastic Mr. Fox. No. Um, but yeah, uh, it is the same plot as The Shop Around the Corner oh. and Parfumery, um, but updated for the ultra-modern AOL You've Got Mail era. Yeah, right? Um, it's super cozy and fun. Check it out. Um, I would recommend it over Sleepless in Seattle, which we talked about earlier. Yes. Um, a little is, less creepy. Which is weird because Sleepless in Seattle was such a big thing. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, You've Got Mail is pairing these stars up again. Mm-hmm. And, it was also a big thing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but now looking back, I'm like, oh... I, even though I still feel weird about them getting together in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the stakes are very different for them because it's not, I feel like in She Loves Me, they're at the same level. Oh, yeah. And another. it's like, we're not, neither of them are at risk of losing their jobs. Yeah. Um, whereas he literally puts her out of business. Yeah. But it, it, they make it work. Oh, Nora Ephron. Some, somehow, somehow she pulls these things out. I mean, it's my aesthetic. Like, I will yeah. love that movie and watch it all the time because I just want to live in that world. Exactly. Um, you can watch The Shop Around the Corner if you want to go yeah. back in time a little and bit. And spend some time with Jimmy Stewart. Who wouldn't? Mm-hmm. Um, hey, why not also do It's a Wonderful Life while you're there? Um, yeah. We talked about that already on the podcast, but it's a perfect Christmas movie um, while also not being totally a Christmas movie. Um, I really like the Stephen Flaherty musical A Man of No Importance. Uh, it is about an Irishman during uh, the, I believe, mid-1900s um, who realizes that he is gay. Uh, and it is really just lovely. It's like a little chamber musical, which is why I think of it in terms of She Loves Me. It's very gentle. The plot or the songs are all drawn from character moments and are very character specific and it's just really kind of lovely and small in a way that feels very warm and cozy. Um, And it's, yeah, it's another sort of low stakes but really lovely piece. Um, I also really like The Drowsy Chaperone, which, I don't know, feels a little bit, has some of the throwback elements that are in She Loves Me, but it has a little more acid to them, I think. I think it's, yeah, it's a a nice way to balance out the idea of, like, we know that these old-timey musicals are kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
they're not owned. real life. Right. But so we it, love them. Exactly. It speaks to the nostalgia factor. Yeah. Um, and then I think title of show is the least like She Loves Me on mm-hmm. this list, but is a show about people writing a musical. But it's very small and intimate and lovely. And it's, again, I think just a little cozy musical mm. of uh, of fun. Yeah, I would I would be interested to put together a list of cozy musicals. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah. so many of them... Even if they're fun and sweet and silly, they're so much bigger. Yeah, they they grow like, and they have yeah. they, they hit you on an emotional level that I mean that's what a good musical does. And I mean, even just like you're saying, like there's there are the big musical numbers, there's the ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as often you get them where it's like, oh, this is just real kind of nice and cozy, or at least ones that like are of the public knowledge. I'm yeah. sure there are a lot more of those that oh, are yeah. like floating around, right? Yeah. But but they're not like. On Broadway. Exactly. Because typically if you're going to do, if a theater is going to do a musical, they need to go big because they want to be able to sell tickets. Yeah. Um, and they're, and because they're expensive to put on no matter what. Yeah. Um, the 25th annual, annual Putnam County Spelly Bee. Oh, I love that Another one. one with super character specific songs and a small cast. But, oh, it's so great. It'll feel, fill you with feels. Um, and then, of course, hey, Fiddler on the Roof. That's a pretty good show. Um, yeah. Also with music written by Jerry Bach. And That's it. A- Honestly, that is one of my favorite musicals. Oh, yeah. It, I think, is an actually perfect musical. Yeah. Um, in a way that I think She Loves Me forces its way into that category on sheer gumption, um, while still having some things that are kind of like, that don't work quite as well. Yeah. Um, it's so overtly charming and lovely and open-hearted that I think it, it becomes perfect. Yeah. But Fiddler on the Roof is just it's a perfect achievement. It's just so touching and yeah. thoughtful and... Like, I can't think of a song that I don't like in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I every time I hear Anna Tevka, like, I get teary. Oh, it's just, oh, yeah. major feels. And the stakes in Fiddler, a little bit higher oh, than she does. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and the scope as well. But it's really fantastic. And the music drives that. So good yeah. job, Jerry Bach. Yeah, he does a good job, mm-hmm. man. You're a good dude. Um, but hey, we also do a good job. We do. Getting to the end of shows. Yay. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's where we are now. Uh, so Annie, if uh, people want some more crossover appeal content, where can they find it? They can find all of our crossover appeal content, including these recommendations and show notes at crossoverappealpodcast.tumblr.com. Uh, you can email us with your favorite, uh, maybe small but overlooked musical at crossoverappealpodcast oh, yeah. at gmail.com. Um, you can tell us all about uh, the saucy reindeers of your childhood at our <laughs> Facebook page. Saucy is, reindeers of my childhood. Which is Crossover Appeal Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can tweet us gifts of why smiling is your favorite at Crossover yeah, Appeal. Yeah, just keep smiling, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you can sing out loud for all to hear. Yeah. What if they want to sing out loud for all to hear about how much they love our show? They can um, sing out loud in a review on iTunes. Yeah, the greatest Christmas gift of all. And subscribe and rate and all those things. Mm-hmm. That keeps our clausometer full. Yeah, and our perfume, that's true. And our, and our perfumery Don't in business. Don't be on the naughty list. <laughs> <laughs> because um, Santa's going to come after you with a dossier of, <laughs> of everything you've done. I'm sure he's going to throw it down the chimney of your worst nemesis. Yep. <laughs> Of that guy whose wife you've been banging. Oh, God. Yeah. Man, we've been getting hyper-specific on the listener call-outs recently. Yeah, right? I hope there's someone listening who's like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, it's They're happening. They're on to me. <laughs> 
Well, um, we hope you all have a fantastic holiday season. Um, and uh, yeah, we will uh, see you again in a couple weeks with another lovely, wonderful, happy edition of Crossover Appeal, unless we talk about something depressing, in which case we'll do a depressing episode of Crossover Appeal. Um, wow. Yeah. So get excited. It could go either way, folks. But in the meantime, this has been Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGaugh. I'm Annie Cardi. And we are reminding you to, as always, please ship responsibly.